Isaiah 53, if you'll turn there. Um, the title of this message is Why We Celebrate Jesus at Easter. And uh, in Christian circles, we call the day that Jesus rose from the dead Easter. Uh, but in, um, in, the, in the Jewish context, uh, Jesus uh, was raised in a Jewish home and uh, lived in Israel. And uh, he was crucified and died on, during the Passover, and, uh, which is also called the Feast of First Fruits. And Jesus is called the first fruits of those who rose from the dead. And so, um, in uh, ancient Rome, I mean in Rome in the 3rd or 4th century, uh, they stopped calling it Passover and first fruits and started calling it Easter. So we call it Easter. But uh, it's also the Passover in Israel and the Feast of First Fruits. And if you study that in the Old Testament, you get greater context of the timing that uh, Jesus came in the fullness of time to redeem, redeem mankind. So Isaiah 53, verse 6, just the first half of the verse actually, it says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And then in Romans 3, 11 and 12, and then verse 18, it says, There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So the human condition before Jesus came and redeemed us, the human condition is that all of us, have like, like sheep, have gone astray. And I mentioned the last time I ministered that, you know, uh, the animals that are in the world didn't evolve. God created them. And when he created sheep, he created them with characteristics that would speak to the, the what men are like and women are like. Uh, men and women, uh, apart from Christ, have all gone astray. Adam and Eve uh, walked away from the counsel of God. They disrespected God's word and they believed a lie. They went their own way. And that's the human condition. The human condition is everyone that's uh, hasn't accepted the Lord, has gone their own way. And there's all kinds of different ways. There's Buddhist ways. There's Muslim ways. There's all kinds of different ways. There's, uh, you, you, I don't need to explain them all because they don't come to my mind anyway, but there's all these different kinds of ways that men have gone. And, uh, and, some people just rebel against all those ways and say, I'm just going to, I'm not going to believe any of those things. I'm just going to do what I want. And uh, that's the human condition. All mankind is like that. And uh, in Romans it says, nobody understands. When I was born, I didn't know that Jesus was God and the Father loved me. I uh, even though I was raised in a Catholic home, I, I heard about God, but I didn't have a relationship with him. I didn't really understand um, 
And I was raised in a somewhat of a Christian home. And people that aren't raised in a Christian home have even less of an ability to understand the love of God and who God is. And uh, and people don't seek God. They, they worship idols. They do all kinds of different things. Um, it says people have become worthless. And, and it says in another place that those who worship idols become like them. And the word idol just means worthless. They're, they're, they're just uh, vain. They're empty. There's nothing to them. Uh, in in uh, Ezekiel and uh, uh, Jeremiah, it says, you know, they get a... They cut a tree down, and with part of it, they, they cook their meals, and with part of it, they make an idol, and it just sits there. It doesn't talk. It has no emotion. It's just a piece of wood, and it's totally worthless. And people those worship those things, they become worthless. And that's the human condition. And uh, so then Jesus comes on the scene. So we know the story, right? Jesus was born in a manger. Uh, his mom and dad were Mary and Joseph. And Joseph was actually his stepdad because uh, he was conceived before they had relationships in their marriage. And so Jesus grew up, and uh, but he was God. And so let's turn to Colossians 1, 15 to 17. So who was Jesus anyway? Was he just a little boy born in, in a, to a poor family um, that was suddenly rich when Magi came and gave him gold and myrrh and, and uh, frankincense? Those were valuable. Uh, those were valuable goods. They were worth a lot of money. Uh, so suddenly his folks were fairly well off. Okay, Colossians one. 15 to 17, and then I'm reading out of the NIV. The Son, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Now, that word image means he's an exact representation. He's, he's like, uh, he's like a carbon copy. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Well, the Son is visible. He, he walked on earth. And so he's a visible representation of an invisible God. So the invisible God became visible, if you will. He's the firstborn over all creation. That means he has the supremacy. And he's not alongside all creation. He's over all creation. So all creation is on one level. He's on another level above all creation. And uh, for in him all things were created. So he's the creator God. And everything that you see, everything that exists apart from God, he created. And so this, this is the man who we celebrate on Easter. He's the one who created everything. He created you. He created me. He created the things that are in heaven and the things that are on earth. He actually created the heavens and the earth, not just the things that are in them. 
He created things visible and invisible. And some of these invisible things are more real than the visible things. So he created thrones, he created powers and rulers and authorities. And so these are invisible things. You you don't see uh, thrones and powers. Well, they have physical representations. But they're invisible concepts. And uh, it says one of the first things uh, that that God created, that Jesus created, was wisdom. When you, when you read Proverbs, wisdom is speaking, says, I am one of the first things that God created, and I have been his companion all down through the ages. As, crea- as he created the heavens and the earth, I was with him. And so God has wisdom with him. God created wisdom to be with him. I don't understand those things, but I believe them. All things have been created through him and for him. So, everything is for God. That's why we worship Jesus, because he's worthy. He's worthy. Everything was created for him. And it's amazing we would have to worship him whether he was a good God or not. But he happens to be a very good God. And some people don't understand that because the whole world, there's murderers, there's rapists, there's, there's sickness, there's disease. There's, those are all uh, results, not of God's love, but man going his own way and trying to become God. And uh, And so... Sometimes we blame God for things that aren't God's fault at all. It's not God's fault that Adam and Eve chose to believe a lie. And everybody that was conceived after them was separated from God. We talked about a separation today. And uh, it's not as serious as a separation of what Adam and Eve did. Adam and Eve uh, turned their back on God. And God said, the day you do this, you're going to die. Now, they lived till they were almost a thousand years old. So the concept of death is different than what we normally think. Their spirit died. And their soul, and, and, and listen, when God created man, he created us eternal beings. That's why when we die physically, we either go to heaven or we go to hell because we're eternal. And um, so death came over the whole world, but death is not uh, cessation, it's separation. It's separation from God. That's what death is. I was dead in my sins. And when I was 23 years old, by the grace of God, somebody preached the message to me, and I responded in faith that God gave me the faith, actually. But I responded in faith, and I said, yes, I'm a sinner, and I would like to be saved. And uh, you know what? God honored his promise that he made 2,000 years ago when he rose from the dead. Whoever believes in me shall live. And I believed in him, and that day I lived. 
and uh, same, same body, same mind, but I was alive. My sins were forgiven. I was a new creation. So death is a separation from God. And when I was born again, I was united with God. And now God lives in me by his spirit. And that's good news, folks. Um, John ten thirty, if you would. John chapter 10, verse 30. Most of these, uh, I'm, I got mostly uh, NIV here. John 10.30. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. So when Jesus came to earth, we tend to picture him as a man. But he's really God. And uh, when we think about Easter, when we think about the resurrection, when we think about what Jesus has done for us. Realize it wasn't just a man that did something for us. It was God, a very God. Amen? He's the ruler of the whole, the whole universe. He's the one that we're accountable for, too. He's the one that we're going to face on the judgment day. He's the living God. Amen? <laughs> Hebrews uh, 1, 8 to 9. I want to lift up the name of Jesus today. Jesus is my best friend. Mark's a close second, but Jesus is my best friend. And uh, and uh, Bible has a lot to say about Jesus because there's a lot to say about him. So in Hebrews. Um, The author of Hebrews is um, comparing Jesus to different categories of people. He's comparing them to the prophets. He's comparing them to angels. He's comparing him to Abraham. Uh, says that Abraham built the house of God, uh, built the house of God, but Jesus is over the house, or something like that. I think I got it a little confused. Anyway, anyway, that's not the Hebrews. Let's look at Hebrews 1, 8 to 9. But about the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. So this is a very key passage here. Jesus is God. And he's going to reign forever and ever. But his scepter or his staff or his uh, authority, a scepter speaks about authority. It's an authority in justice. God is a just God. A just God who treats people fairly. So he treats 
sinners based on their sin. And he came, we're going to see, and died on a cross because nobody can pay the penalty for their own sin. That would be impossible. But Jesus could pay our penalty because he was sinless. But the justice of God requires that sinners pay the penalty of their sin. So Jesus is a just God. He loves righteousness. Righteousness is doing what's right, basically. It's living according to God's principles. God set up the universe. He created gravity. He created, um, you know, the whole way that the universe should be run uh, with wisdom. Man has corrupted that terribly and created wickedness in the earth. Jesus hates wickedness. He hates it. The Bible teaches that we are to love one another and hate sin. Love the sinner and hate the sin. Amen? Love the sinner and hate the sin. Love your brother and sister that's imperfect. And pray for them. Don't gossip about them. That was the message today. Okay, therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. We can rejoice because Jesus rejoices. So, God is a God of justice. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All the time in our nation, people want to change laws. They want to make what was illegal 50 years ago legal today. They want to make what's legal today illegal tomorrow. Some countries uh, in Kazakhstan, they're making it illegal, more and more illegal for Christians to meet openly in Kazakhstan. So the laws are always changing, but God never changes. His law is eternal. This will never change. This is the eternal word of God. Okay, part three. Jesus acts on our behalf. So we see mankind's got a problem. Jesus is very God, and he's a God of justice. And three, Jesus acts on our behalf. So if you could turn to Isaiah 53 again. We read the first half of verse 6. Now we're going to read the second half of verse 6. Remember the first half said, All we, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Now we're going to see the rest of that verse. Isaiah 53, 6. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So the Lord, meaning the Father, has laid on Jesus our iniquity, our injustice, our wickedness, our sin. So the Father... put on Jesus our sin. And Jesus took that sin to the cross and paid the penalty for it. And this was not some 
happenstance. This was not some last-minute uh, decision uh, by God when they were counseling together. Uh, we got a problem down there on earth. I think, Jesus, you need to, to go uh, take care of it. No, before the foundation of the earth, the Bible says, it was predetermined in the counsels of God that this would be happening in the fullness of time, at the right time, that Jesus would come and he would be born of a virgin and a thousand years before Jesus came, it was prophesied that he would be born of a virgin. And uh, this was not some last minute, oh God, the Father says to Jesus, oh, we got a problem down here. No, this God knew the beginning from the end and he knew when he created man that this was going to happen. And because he wanted a companion for all eternity, a host of companions, millions of companions. Who can understand God? Millions and millions of millions have come to Jesus Christ down through the ages. And and we're going to be with God for all eternity because he loves us. And Jesus, the father was willing to see his son leave heaven where he was surrounded by angels worshiping him and go down to earth where people mocked him and spit on him and and said he was of the devil and Jesus walked on the earth uh, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit for three years, people questioning him, doubting him, rebuking him, Pharisees uh, telling him that to go back to uh, being a carpenter, all this kind of stuff. It was all predetermined. Now let's look at John twelve, fourteen to 15. Now the rest of these verses, if you're interested, I'm going to read out of the Holman translation. So the first ones are all out of NIV. Now we're going to switch to the Holman. John twelve fourteen to 15. This is what Jesus has done for us. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written. Fear no more, daughter Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, Zion speaks of those Jews, which we are grafted into the Jewish nation by faith. But Zion speaks to those Jews that loved God. The majority of the nation turned from God and worshipped idols. And you can read all about that in the Old Testament. But there was always a remnant that loved God. And they're called Zion. Zion was a physical uh, spot in Jerusalem where the temple was and where the presence of God was. And so spiritual Zion is those who cherish the presence of God. And you could be Jewish or you could be non-Jewish. And you temp- you you uh, love the presence of God, your spiritual Zion. So whenever you read about Zion, you can say, well, that's speaking about me. So Zion was fearful because righteousness was being trodden underfoot. Uh, the, the rulers in Israel were um, oppressing the poor. They were not taking care of the widows. They were, orphans were just disregarded. There was no love uh, 
by the religious leaders. They were only concerned for getting richer and and being uh, uh, seen as important people. They had no love for God. And so it was a wicked time when Jesus came into the world. Um, you could say that there's wickedness in this time. The Bible says that the righteous will grow brighter and brighter and the, and the wicked will grow more and more wicked as the, as the time progresses. But Jesus found a donkey. Now, Jesus was the king of Israel. He was the Messiah. He was the promised king. And kings ride on stallions with an army of 10,000 people behind them, and they come to conquer. Jesus conquered through humility. Jesus conquered through humility. And that's the way that we conquer. If you become proud of how spiritual you are, God will resist you. But if you humble yourself and come under the anointing of God and walk humbly before your God, he will exalt you. Well, Jesus practiced what he preaches. He came humbly. And uh, he was born in a manger. He lived in a, in, in a nondescript little town in, in, of Beth, in, uh, in uh, wherever it was. He was born in Bethlehem. Nazareth, thank you. Just uh, sometimes my mind gets rusty, huh? Okay, Philippians 2.8. If you could, you following with me? Am I making any sense? Okay. Maybe not your traditional Easter message. Uh, but you get two Easter messages this year. How about that? Okay, thank you. Okay, Philippians 2.8. And being found in, in appearance as a human being, so Jesus found himself as a human being. You know, he was born a baby and uh, he had to become aware of himself. Oh, I'm God, but I'm in the form of a human being now. And so what did he do? He could have got real proud say, hey, I'm God. And he could have walked around telling everybody, hey, this looks like me, but hey, I'm really God. No, he didn't do that. But he could have. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even to death. He continued to humble himself all through his earthly existence. He could have been six years old and said, hey, uh, to the bully across the street that was bullying him, you know. He could have said, who, who do you think you're bullying anyway? I'm God. No, he didn't do that. He didn't do it when he was, when he was 12 in the temple. He was asking the, the, the scribes uh, to, you know, asking them difficult questions about the Bible. He didn't say, hey, I'm God and you guys are ignorant. He just was... Humbly trying to understand what the Word of God had to say. And uh, he did that all the way through life, even to the cross. And the Bible says 
None of us have resisted sin unto death. Well, those that are martyrs actually have been martyred have, but none of us have. Amen? Okay. Romans three twenty one to 26. I shared this, uh, I don't remember how many weeks ago I shared last, two or three weeks, something like that. And I shared this passage then. So if you were here, um, I'll try to make it a little briefer. But we're talking about what Jesus has done for us. So Jesus came humbly. He came humbly. But he did something. Did something very important. And we all know the story, right? Because we've heard Easter messages before. Okay. But uh, let's look at how Romans three twenty-one to 26 speaks about what Jesus did. But now apart from the law, God's righteousness has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. That is God's righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Since there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. God presented him as a propitiation through faith in his blood to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. God presented him to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so that he would be righteous and declare righteous the one who has faith in Jesus. And so um, in Romans, Paul is making the argument that uh, in Israel, they had the law, they had the Ten Commandments. Commandment number one, love God with all your heart. Well, most of the people in Israel worshipped idols. And nobody outside of Israel worshipped God because no, none of them knew that there were, no, nobody knew God. They were all ignorant of who God was. Um, a lot of people knew there, there's got to be a God somewhere, so they'd worship trees or they'd worship mountains or they'd worship rats or they worship all kinds of things. They worship demons, worship all kinds of things. But nobody could fulfill commandment number one, love God. And most people couldn't fulfill number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, a lot of people didn't honor their father and their mother. Um, uh, lying, cheating, all kinds of... So, um, so nobody could fulfill the law. Even though they had the law, they couldn't fulfill it. So Jesus said, God can't save anybody through the law, so he has to choose a different method. He's going to die for our sins, and people will be reunited with God simply by believing that the story of what Jesus did. Simply by believing that Jesus was God, and he was sinless, and he died for us, and he rose again. And he took our sins away. Simple faith. The just shall live by faith. The justified, the ones that are right in relationship with God, shall live by faith. You can't prove it to anybody. You can't prove to anybody that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. 
But it's written. And I believed it. My wife believed it. Millions of people all over the world believe it. And you can talk to your best friend that isn't saved and they say you're nuts. And every, and unless they have faith, they don't believe it. And if they don't believe it, they don't, they don't receive it. So Jesus did three things here. He justified us. That means he made us legally acceptable in God's sight. He, the, the sin that separates us from God is cut off. It's no longer counted towards us because Jesus paid the penalty for it. And uh, redemption means that we're redeemed from the power of the devil. We're, we're purchased by God. We belong to him now. And propitiation means that the wrath of God is taken away from us. And, uh, and uh, we have peace and we have joy. And we have fellowship. With God and with one another. Amen? So that's the good news. What's our response? Let's look at John eleven twenty five to 27. Sometimes when you're preaching, you're preaching to a bunch of Unsaved people. So then the what's your response ending would be different than in a room full of Christians. So um, so I'll ignore some of the verses that I have here. And we'll just end with John eleven, twenty five to twenty seven. And this will be my last scripture. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believe, believes in me will never die, ever. Do you believe this? That's the question we all have to ask ourselves. Do we believe this? Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. 